From Nkengasong Press, I am Joyce Nkengasong, author of the debut novel, Respect Yourself, which I published under my pen name F.J. Nkengasong, and this is a Books We Love episode of Author Red Tea, where I will be summarizing and reviewing Will Smith's self-titled memoir, Will. Author Red Tea is a podcast where I tell the stories of some of the most influential writers the world has ever seen with a storyteller's flair. This is a show about highlighting the lives of the writers of our society whose work inspire, challenge, and shape the way we see our world. While this may not be a messy show, I can't promise that no tea will be spilled, so keep your napkins close. Seriously, for this episode, you definitely need your napkins on standby. You've been warned. Please like and follow this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a comment. You know I love to read. For more information on where to listen to Author Red Tea or to watch the YouTube version of this podcast, please visit our website, nkengasongpress.com. That's N-K-E-N-G-A-S-O-N-G-P-R-E-S-S dot com. nkengasongpress.com. You can also get direct links to our podcast and YouTube channel on our website. As I said before, in this episode, we're going to be talking about Will Smith's memoir, Will. The memoir was published on November 9th, 2021, and a contributing author is Mark Manson. I'm sure you all have heard of him. He's the author of the self-help book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Four-Letter Word That Begins with F. In the memoir, co-written with Mark Manson, Will takes readers on his journey to self-discovery. He starts the memoir by telling stories from his childhood and takes us all the way through to his current life. From reading the memoir, readers learn about how Will's background has shaped him into the dominant force he has been in the entertainment industry. From his early beginnings as a rapper, going by the moniker The Fresh Prince, to his starring on the hugely popular television show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Then there's his tenor as a movie star, where he has played leading roles in 29 blockbuster films that have grossed over $6 billion worldwide. I've always been a Will Smith fan, and I've long looked up to him for his positivity, self-discipline, and hard work. And also, I should note that we share the same birthday, September 25th, yes to the Libra Nation. So, when I heard he was releasing a memoir, I was first in line to purchase a copy before it was even officially released. I decided to listen to the audiobook version of the memoir because Will narrates it and I was so grateful for that because he did an exceptional job in the narration. You can tell he's an actor by the way he mimicked the speaking voices of some of the characters that showed up in the book. So yes, I highly recommend that you listen to the audiobook version of the memoir. Okay, I know that some of you are here for the mess especially in light of recent events. Cough, cough, the slap. Anyways, so before I begin my summary and commentary of the book, let me say this one thing. Reading Will's memoir provided me a tremendous amount of insight on why Will has made the choices he's made in his personal life. And to me, what I've learned from his book has shed light on why over the past few years, the veil of privacy that once shielded the Smith family has now been lifted, starting with the Red Table Talk, the scandalous entanglement, and the night at the Oscars where Will's rash behavior soiled the pristine, scandal-free image he has been cultivating since he first gained mainstream popularity over 30 years ago. Okay, let me get into the summary and provide my commentary. By the end of the episode, Slapgate will begin to make a lot more sense to you. I promise. 
in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where Will spent most of his days, chilling out, maximum relaxing, all cool, all shooting some people outside of school. Okay, okay, I'll stop. I want to keep you all coming back. Now, let's get to what you're here for. Will told many inspirational as well as juicy life stories in his memoir. The memoir starts with Will recounting the story of the wall that his father made he and his brother Harry build from scratch when they were still in grade school. You see, Daddy-O, as Will calls his father in the memoir, tore down the old crumbling wall behind his refrigerator repair shop and told Will and his brother that they had to fill the hole by building a new wall in its place. The assignment was for Will and Harry to build a wall 20 feet wide and 12 feet tall. Will and Harry looked at each other in astonishment. Daddy-O tells them that not only does he want them to lay the bricks to build the wall, but he also wants them to make the bricks by mixing the mortar themselves or by hand. Daddy-O tells them that each day after school, they have to come to his shop to work on the wall. The same for their weekends and holidays. This is their new job and they can never take a day off. As you would expect, Will and Harry were not happy about this. One day, Daddy-O overhears Will complaining to Harry. What's up with Daddy-O? Us building this wall is impossible, Will soaks. Daddy-O overhears Will and gives them a piece of advice that I myself appreciate from this story. Daddy-O tells them that instead of thinking about the grandiosity of the wall, they should be focusing on the next brick they have to lay. And before they know it, they would have laid the last brick. I like that Will starts off his memoir with this anecdote because I think it explains how Will has propelled himself, one opportunity at a time, to attending the blockbuster movie star status he holds today. In my opinion, the story about the wall provides one of the most important lessons that can be learned from this memoir. The major takeaway that I hope sticks with you, as it has stuck with me, is that when you set a lofty goal for yourself, set your eye on achieving one task at a time that will lead you to attaining your goal, instead of focusing on the grandiosity of the goal itself. And while you're at it, try to enjoy the process. In the rest of the memoir, we get more accounts from Will's childhood and his complicated relationship with his father. You see, Daddy-O, for all the great lessons he teaches Will, is also a traumatizing source in Will's life because Daddy-O is verbally and physically abusive to Will's mother, my mom, as he calls her. Even as an adult, Will is still traumatized about he and his siblings witnessing your father beat your mother. In chapter one, titled Fear, Will writes that when he was nine years old, he saw his father punch his mother in the side of the head so hard that she spit up blood and collapsed. He remembers always being in a state of fear as a child. He was afraid of his peers at school, afraid of being made fun of, and most of all, he was afraid of his father. Will saw himself as a coward for being so afraid. Even though he was just a little boy, he felt he was a coward because he was never able to stop his father from abusing his mother. He was the eldest after all, he felt, so he should have been the one to protect his mother. A true Libra, when confronted with his father's abuse of his mother, Will chooses the peaceful route, playing the jokester, thinking that if he was funny enough, he would make everyone happy, which in turn would mean that his mother and father would not fight. But no matter how funny Will tries to be, year after year, his father continues to be physically abusive to his mother. My mom does leave Daddy-O at some points during Will's childhood, but each time she comes right back. The relationship does eventually come to an end, but it won't be until Will is 20 years old. As we find out in chapter nine of the memoir, finally all fed up, 
my mom decides not only to leave daddy but to kick him out of the house. Yes, ma'am. Despite all the trauma his father has caused him, Will loves his father. He recalls how throughout his life, his father was present, there for all his pivotal moments. However, Will just can't seem to forget all the hurt and pain that his father caused his mother. When Daddy-O became wheelchair-bound during the later years of his life, Will, who was caring for Daddy-O at the time, one night considered pushing Daddy-O down the flight of stairs as he willed Daddy-O to use the bathroom. Will thought, if I push him down the stairs, I will finally get revenge for all the hurt he caused my mom. But Will doesn't. Another thing that is worth noting from Chapter 1 is that even as an adult, Will still lives in a constant state of fear. In Chapter 1, he states that throughout his career, he has carefully crafted his image to hide the coward from the world, which deep down he believes he is. Keep this in mind for the later parts of this episode where we dissect the events leading up to this slap. Chapter 2 is titled Fantasy, and it's another important chapter of the memoir. In my opinion, this chapter explains a lot about Will's personal and professional life. In this chapter, Will states that his two greatest gifts that have propelled him to the mega movie star that he is today are his imagination and his work ethic. He states that when he combines the two, he can make money rain from the skies. Growing up, Will's great imagination did not make him popular with other kids at school. They all thought he was a liar. You see, Will had a hard time telling the difference between fantasy and reality. Will will tell his friends at school stories that he thought were true, but in reality, he had imagined the whole thing. While his imagination was not the best for him in the friendship department, my mom encouraged his imagination. They even had a running joke where Will will tell my mom a story about how his day went and she would have to figure out what parts of the story were true and what parts he had imagined. Okay, now let's get into the chapter about Will's music career. Will's older cousin was the first person to introduce him to rap music, and from that time on, Will was hooked. Will eventually meets a DJ Jazzy Jeff when he is in high school and the two start a routine. Will raps and Jazzy Jeff spins. It's the 80s and being a DJ is a big deal. Together, Will and Jazzy Jeff become popular in West Philadelphia and eventually they gain national popularity following the release of their song, Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble in late 1985. Then, three years later in 1988, Will and DJ Jazzy Jeff become the first to receive a Grammy for Best Rap Performance for their hit song, Parents Just Don't Understand. Will thinks that things could not get much better, and he's right. Will at this time is known as a quote-unquote soft rapper. His peers are N.W.A., Public Enemy, and Iran DMC, who are rapping more aggressively, telling hard truths about the drugs, violence, and poverty ravishing the black community in America. More and more, listeners are flocking to the greedy and at times political songs. Will, on the other hand, does not even use curse words in his raps, thanks to his grandmother reading his raps one day and telling him, intelligent people don't need to use curse words. He details all this in chapter 4 of his memoir. So, unsurprisingly, Will and Jazzy Jeff's next album, released in October 31st, 1989, flops, at least by Will and Jazzy Jeff's standards. The downturn of Will's career is a very bad thing for Will because Will has not been filing his taxes and has been spending his money on a new house, a motorcycle, cars, clothes, and being very generous to the entourage of people surrounding him. Will recounts once closing down the Gucci store in Atlanta so that he and his friends could shop. Well, as his rap career begins to go downhill, Will owes the IRS $2.8 million and he does not have the money to pay them. With all his money gone, 
and his rap career at a standstill, Will goes through a very low period. He can no longer get into Hollywood clubs that used to raise your rebel ropes for him without hesitation, and performers who once opened for him and, and DJ Jazzy Jeff now act like they don't even know him. Will is crushed. Feeling dejected, Will goes back home to West Philadelphia, where he is still a hometown hero. He doesn't give up though. With $10,000 he borrows from a drug dealer friend, Will returns to Los Angeles, hoping to rise to the top again. Back in Los Angeles, he stays with a girlfriend. And it is this girlfriend who recommends that if Will really wants to find work, he should go on the Arsenio Hall show. You see, back in the day, Arsenio Hall was the man, and you could find just about every hip-hop rap star around his show area. So Will listens to her, and he takes this trip to the Arsenio Hall show, which will forever change his life. Will makes his first appearance on the Arsenio Hall show on October 12, 1989. At this show, Will meets Benny Medina. Benny Medina is like a manager to these stars. For example, I believe he manages J-Lo's career. Anyways, Benny tells Will that he's planning to make a show based on his life. You see, Benny grew up in Watts, California, but after getting into trouble as a teen, he is shipped off to live with some extremely wealthy relatives in Beverly Hills. Benny is sure that this show will be a hit, and when he sees Will that day, he thinks that Will would be the perfect actor to play him in the sitcom he envisions. Will listens, but he is not really interested. He had gone to the Arsenio Hall show to get more opportunities in rap because he is a rapper. But either way, when Benny tells him, hey, let's go to Quincy's house. I want you to meet him. He's producing the show for me. Not having anything better to do, Will agrees to go. At Quincy Jones' house, Will looks around in amazement. Not just because of how great the house is, but mostly because in this house, the who's who of Hollywood all there, including artists and industry heads such as Brandon Tartikoff, who was the head of NBC at the time. Benny introduces Will to Quincy Jones as the person he wants to play him in the sitcom. Instantly, Quincy Jones recognizes Will from his rap videos. He asks Will, what's your name again? Will says, The Fresh Prince. And just like that, Quincy says the name of the show will be The Fresh Prince. Quincy then hands Will a screenplay and tells him to study the script for 10 minutes and then he can audition in front of everybody at the party. Will is apprehensive. Uh, Quincy? Will says. I need more time to review the script before I can audition. Quincy asks him, well how much time do you need? When Will tells him he needs about a week, Quincy tells him, the people who can make this show happen are here right now. Who knows what your schedules will be like a week from today? This is your chance, man. Take it or lose it. If you take 10 minutes now, you'll be able to change your life forever, Quincy tells Will. So, Will auditions that day in front of the entire party. And everyone loves it. Then Quincy singles out Brandon Tartikoff. As I mentioned before, he's the head of NBC. Tartikoff says he likes a show idea and Will's audition. So Quincy orders Tartikoff's lawyer to draw up the contract right away. He doesn't want to leave any room for decision paralysis, as he calls it. Quincy even has his assistant go around the party to find a lawyer for Will. When a lawyer agrees to represent Will, the two lawyers go into a limo and begin working on the contract for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. As they draft the contract, Quincy pops in on them, chanting, No paralysis, do analysis. No paralysis, do analysis. That day, the contract is drawn up and signed. And on September 10th, 1990, the very first episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air airs, and the rest is history. Will is absolutely one of my favorite actors. I admire how he is one of the few actors to transition himself from an actor in a television sitcom to leading man in major box office movies. 
His first major movie role was in the drama Six Degrees of Separation, and his first leading role in a major film was when he played Captain Stephen Hiller in Independence Day. Will eventually works his way into playing Muhammad Ali in the 2001 biopic Ali, a role he received a Best Actor Oscar nomination for, but ultimately lost that night to Denzel Washington. Some of Will's other notable roles are in the movies Men in Black, Bad Boys, Seven Pounds, and the list goes on. In his most recent movie, King Richard, he plays Richard Williams, Venice and Serena Williams' father. He eventually wins the Best Actor Oscar for this role. But what a night that was. Before I get to that, I think it's only fitting that I talk about Will's love life. If I were speaking about Will's love life about five years ago, I probably wouldn't have much to share. Sort of like in that episode I just did on Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's life. If you haven't already, check it out. However, thanks to the Red Table Talk, a Facebook show that his wife Jada Pinkett Smith hosts with her mother Gammy and their daughter Willow, the Smith's personal life, especially the Smith's marriage, has now turned into a topic of public fodder. Before I get into Will's relationship with Jada, let me start with the girlfriend Will had at the beginning of his rap career. Boy, do I have a real treat for you. As I mentioned earlier, Will's experiences growing up in a home where he witnessed his father beat his mother had a tremendous impact on him, and it also impacted his relationship with women in a tremendous way. From what I've gathered from his book, Will seeing his mother suffer abuse at his father's hands gave him this complex about pleasing women in his life to make sure they were happy. He had this complex where he never wanted to hurt a woman as he had seen his father continuously hurt his mother. He wanted to be a better man than his father. Case in point, his relationship with Melanie Parker, which Will speaks about in chapter 9 of his memoir. Will and Melanie were together during the height of Will's rap career, years before he got the role on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. For a bulk of the beginning of his relationship with Melanie, Will was on tour. But as soon as tour was over, he would rush home to Philadelphia to see Melanie. His friends on tour with them were always annoyed because Will had this habit of kicking all the female fans off the tour bus. Will was so committed to Melanie. Then, one day, after rushing from tour to go see Melanie in Philadelphia, Will discovers that while he's been staying true to Melanie, Melanie was finding comfort in the arms of another. Will knew something was up as soon as he saw Melanie and the way she was behaving. The thing is, as Will tells us in chapter 1 of the book, he has a very high level of emotional intelligence. He's able to easily read a room. He grew this skill as a survival mechanism because living in a home where misreading a facial expression could lead to him, or even worse, his mother, falling victim to his father's wrath, Will learned how to tell when his parents and siblings were happy or unhappy, deciphering people's emotions down to even the most minute detail. So when Will steps into Melanie's aunt's kitchen, as he usually did straight from the airport, he instantly knows that something is not right with Melanie. He can tell that although she seems happy to see him as usual, Something about her actions is not matching up with what he assumes is going on in her mind. Then, later on that night when they're sitting on her aunt's couch watching Trading Places, starring Eddie Murphy, as they had done many times before, Will notices that Melanie is laughing harder than usual. Fully committed, Will jumps off the sofa and accuses Melanie of cheating on him. It was just his last ditch effort to figure out what was going on, but to his surprise, Melanie confesses to cheating on him. Will is crushed. But he doesn't know what to do. Melanie's crying before him, he's feeling a lot of pain in his chest, but he doesn't know how to react. In that moment, he tells himself that a normal person would do something. 
What do you do when someone cheats on you? He asks himself. He needs to break something, he decides. That would really show how angry he is, although he doesn't really feel the anger. He mostly feels hurt that while he was staying true to Melanie, she was cheating on him. Will spots an iron log poker by the fireplace. He picks it up and begins to break the glass panel windows of Melanie's aunt's house, one by one. He breaks about 12 of them before he drops the iron log poker. Then he worries, what if Melanie's aunt heard the whole commotion? At that moment, Will decides to leave the house. As he walks home to his mother's house, which is nearby, Will begins to laugh to himself. He has never done anything like this. He doesn't even know how he got the nerve to do that. The whole situation is funny to him. The laughter is shooting the pain in his chest that is growing minute by minute. He was in so much pain, yet he doesn't know how to express his pain naturally. He has been so used to covering up the pain he was feeling with laughter when he was a child, but now as an adult, he no longer has to worry about Daddy-O's wrath if he chooses to naturally express his negative feelings. But he doesn't know how to. He is in so much pain, but he doesn't know how to genuinely express it. Then, Will blames himself for Melanie's cheating. If he was a good enough boyfriend, Melanie would never have cheated, he thinks. Just as he felt, if he wasn't such a coward, he would have been able to protect his mother from his father's abuse. Again, he has failed another woman. Will wants to do all he can to make the women in his life happy, and again, he has failed. Still hurt by Melanie's infidelity, Will decides to play another role. This time, he wants to be the ladies' man. In his memoir, he tells us that he sleeps with so many women, hoping that this will make the pain go away. But after each woman he sleeps with, he feels even worse. Not only is he hurt by Melanie's betrayal, he's also hurt by what it's led him to. Being a player is everything he is against. Players hurt women, and Will Smith is not like Daddy-O, and he doesn't hurt women, he thinks to himself. Also secretly, with each woman he sleeps with, he's looking for the woman who would love him, heal him, and make the pain he's feeling go away. Up to that point at age 20, Will had only slept with one other woman besides Melanie. Soon, he decides that he wants Melanie back. The very person who caused him the pain is the same person he decides can help make the pain go away. Will forgives Melanie. Well, not really. He just knows that he wants her back. Before Melanie decides to work things out with Will, Will makes an unspoken promise to her. If you take me back, I promise I'll be good enough. The problem is, although Will tries to, he just can't forgive Melanie. Instead of trying his best to make their relationship work, he does a bare minimum, feeling that she should be grateful he took her back. Eventually, Melanie leaves. Now that I've given you that backstory of Will's love life, let's fast forward to some years later, when Will first meets Jada in 1990. The location is outside the casting office of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Will spots Jada as she is angrily walking out of the casting office. What up, shawty? He calls to her. Jada looks at him, furrows her eyes, and with a wave of a hand, she barks at him, asking him to move out of her way. Will had no way of knowing that just minutes before, Jada was told that she could not get the part to play his girlfriend on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because at just five feet tall, she was too short. Fun fact. Nia Long, who ends up getting the role, is 5 feet 2, so I guess every inch counts. When Will finds out that Jada has booked a role on the sitcom A Different World, nothing can keep him away. Him and Alfonso Ribeiro, who plays Carlton on The Fresh Prince, decides to go to sit in the audience for the taping of A Different World. Will plans to formally introduce himself to Jada right after the taping ends. So that day, he wears his best outfit, and he and Carlton, I'm sorry, Alfonso, attend the taping. During a break in the taping, however, Will meets Cherie Zampino, who is also at the taping. They catch eyes, and the two begin to talk. She thinks he's hilarious, and she laughs at all his jokes. 
In that moment, Will totally forgets why he was even there and he and Cherie leave for dinner. They leave before the taping is even over. Will won't get to meet Jada that night and three months later, Will marries Cherie and soon, Cherie is pregnant with your first son, Trey. Will and Cherie's marriage is off to a great start. Will loves that he and Cherie are a team. She's a great conversationalist and hostess. She prepares great meals and keeps their guests entertained. She is there to fill in the pieces when Will is not available. Will thinks she is just the woman to be by his side as he climbs the ranks in show business. Then, Will gets the movie role in Six Degrees of Separation. And desperate to prove himself as a serious actor, Will decides to try method acting for the role. Soon, Will loses himself to Paul, the character he's playing. Even after the filming is over, Will cannot get back to himself. It's season 4 of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Will is floundering as he tries to remember who Will Smith is and how Will Smith will react as they film the show. Will's co-stars notice the change in Will, and so does Cherie. She does not recognize the man she married, but before Will can get back to himself, it's too late. After Will snaps at Cherie one day, she decides she's had enough. So, she takes Trey and leaves California to visit family in New York. While Sharia is gone, Will and Jada cross paths again. This time, Will knows for sure that Jada is the woman for him. But the problem is, Will doesn't believe in divorce. He thinks getting a divorce means failing. And the last thing Will wants to do is fail at anything. So, Will is heartbroken when Sharia presents him with divorce papers. He's hesitant. He doesn't want to sign them, even though he believes that Jada is the one for him. Finally, just when he decides to call the marriage quits and sign the divorce papers, Cherie tries to call off the divorce so she and Will can work things out. But Will has already decided to give his heart to Jada. Now a couple, Will and Jada keep their relationship private. Then, Jada gets pregnant. Will feels the next step in their relationship is for them to get married. But there is one problem. Jada never saw herself as the marrying type. But she decides that she will marry Will but she wants just the two of them to have a private ceremony. However, her mother Gammy, as they call her, wants Jada to have a wedding. Jada is her only child, and her daughter's wedding is a day that Gammy has always dreamed about. In the end, Gammy and Will win. The couple has a formal wedding, and Jada cries tears of gloom as she walks down the aisle to join a union she never really wanted, even though she cares about Will. If Jada's tears bothered Will, you cannot tell from the huge smile he has on his face during your wedding day. The rest of the marriage seems to take a similar flow. While the Megabucks office star Will Smith wants a lavish and expansive mansion, Jada just wants a small house. But again, Will wins. He buys the mansion without her approval. Over time, Jada can no longer hide the fact that she is not happy. I've already told you about Will's tendency to always want to assume the role of making the women in his life happy and blame himself when the women are not happy. So Will is determined to make his wife happy. When Jada turns 37 years old, Will gets an idea that he can make Jada happy by planning her an extravagant 40th birthday party. He even hires filmmakers to make a film about Jada's life, tracing her genealogy, which spans the slave plantations of Jamaica. The plan will be to play this film during an extravagant birthday weekend meant to celebrate Jada. Just like that, Operation Make Jada Happy is on its way. Fast forward to three years later, 2011. The weekend Will has been planning for three years is finally underway. The first night of the festivities goes well, but Will is most excited about night number two. 
The 40 guests sit at the event space on that Saturday evening, enjoying the most amazing food they've ever set your lips on, seeing the happy faces all around him, and hearing the complimentary words. Will knows that after this weekend is over, he will be sitting on the throne as the husband of all husbands. After they've eaten, Will takes his guests outside through a garden. The path of the garden is lined with images of Jada, and at the very end of the garden is a huge screen. Will escorts Jada to her seat right before the screen. This screen will show the film Will had commissioned for Jada's 40th birthday. As the film plays, the guests are teary-eyed. The film includes never-before-seen recordings of Jada's favorite grandmother. Then, after this emotional film, the guests are filled with excitement as Mary J. Blige makes her grand entrance. She's the performer that night, and she is Jada's favorite singer. Looking around, Will's gaze lands on Jada's face. She doesn't look happy. If anything, she looks sullen. Jada says nothing. She doesn't even look at him. If Will has any doubts about what Jada thinks about the weekend, she tells him that night at your hotel room, calling it the most ridiculous display of his ego. Will is shocked, and Jada decides that she's had enough of her 40th birthday celebration. After this fiasco of a weekend, Will decides that he will retire from trying to make Jada happy. Soon after, Will and Jada begin to refer to themselves no longer as man and wife, but instead as life partners. Okay, now this next part might get a little messy, so make sure your napkins are within reach. You see, for years, there was plenty of speculation about the Smith's marriage. People said they were swingers, that they had an open relationship, and so on. However, nothing was ever confirmed. But everything changed when Jada launched the Red Table Talk in May 2018. The show features Jada, her mother Gammy, and she and Will's daughter Willow. On the show, the three women interview guests on a select number of topics. Will even appears as a guest on the show in 2018. On this episode, Will speaks about how, for 45 days straight, Jada woke up crying every morning. He also shares about how he then decided to throw her the 40th birthday party hoping it would make her happy. And then he speaks about his realization that he couldn't make her happy, that Jada had to find the happiness from within. Knowing what we know about Will from his memoir, I can only imagine the pain that he must have felt when he came to the realization that he could not make his wife, the woman he loved so dearly, happy. The next time Will appeared on the Red Table Talk, there was no Gammy or Willow in sight. It was 2020, and the couple, I mean life partners, sat across from each other so that Jada could explain her side of a story that had just broken headlines. This story involved R&B artist August Alsina, who spoke about his romantic relationship with Jada that lasted years. During this Red Table Talk episode with Will and Jada, Jada doesn't want to say that she and August had a relationship. But after Will holds her feet to the fire about her relationship with August, a man 20 years her junior who she met through her son Jaden, Jada calls the relationship an entanglement. Boy, did the people on social media have a field day with this one. Even August himself made a song called Entanglement. During the Red Table Talk interview, Jada and Will claimed that the entanglement happened while they were separated. Will tells Jada, I was done with you, and promises to get her back, whatever that means. But you can imagine. Before they mm -hmm. end the episode mm -hmm. with a fist bump, Will and Jada say in unison, We ride together, we die together. Bad marriage for life. And they start breaking out in laughter after they say this. Dot dot dot. Mm -hmm. Anyways. This interview has gone on to be the butt of many internet jokes. 
as the once unreachable couple, with the help of one red table, revealed such intimate details of their marriage to the entire world, allowing their marriage to become a topic of public fodder. The image of perfection that Will tried to paint for us all these years began to crumble as reality set in. Remember what I said at the beginning of this episode about how one of Will's greatest talents is to create a fantasy for the audience? Well, the reality of his personal circumstances reared his ugly head when on March 27, 2022, the night that was supposed to be the greatest night of Will's over 30-year acting career, as Will was slated to win the Oscar that night for Best Actor, Will walks on stage after Chris Rock makes a G.I. Jane joke about his life partner, Jada, and no one sees it coming, Will opens his hands and plants the loudest slap on Chris Rock's face. The consummate professional that he is, Chris Rock takes a slap, and almost immediately after, he makes a joke about it being the greatest night in television because Will Smith just slapped him on national television. If I were Will, I would be really grateful for how Chris Rock took the slap because it had the potential of going a totally different way. Nobody wanted to see those two great entertainers wrestling on stage. Well, I guess maybe the messy bunch would have liked to see that, but you know, we're not messy here. We just, you know, report the facts. Anyways, the audience members laugh awkwardly, thinking the slap must have been scripted. But after Will yells, keep my wife's name out your effing mouth, that makes it clear that the slap was as real as they came. The shock on Lupita Nyong'o's face says it all. People who saw the footage were confused. Will had been laughing at the J.I. Jane joke before he saw that Jada was not happy with the joke. Some people wondered why Will seemed cheerful as he walked off stage after slapping Chris. Seeing all of this, I couldn't help but recall the situation with Melanie. The iron poker, the window that Will broke out of frustration quote-unquote, though he could not find a way to genuinely express his feelings. And I also couldn't help but to recall the fact that Will all his life had felt like a coward because he couldn't protect his mother from his abusive father. Then there was a sad look on Will's face when he had sat across from his wife as she disclosed to him and the entire world that she had been involved in a sexual relationship with your son's very young friends, followed by the scrutiny Will received from other men who called him weak for allowing his wife to embarrass him in front of the entire world in that manner. Will had something to prove that night. It would not surprise me if the same dialogue that had gone on through his head when he broke the windows in Melanie's aunt's house also went through his head that night at the Oscars. Will was probably asking himself, what would a man who is not a coward do when another man offends his wife on national television? From reading his book, I believe that Will had something to prove that night, not just to the world but to himself. He wanted to prove once and for all that he was not weak or a coward. A star of his caliber, I have no doubt that he was tired of his family being the butt of jokes. Especially since, prior to that red table, they had enjoyed the protection that mystery provided your family. Then again, remembering his method acting when he played Paul in Seven Degrees of Separation, who knows if Will was channeling Richard Williams at that moment. After all, everyone knew that King Richard was a fierce defender of his family. Perhaps that is what Will was hinting at when he, during his Oscar speech, made the comment about art imitating life. Whatever it was that may have led to the slap, I think it was a very unfortunate situation and I pray for healing for all parties involved. I pray that Will gets the healing he needs from his childhood traumas and beyond. And I pray that he realizes that he is not a coward. He was just a little boy who could not protect his mother. And it was not his responsibility as a little boy to protect his mother. His father should have done better. And for Chris, I hope that he is able to recover from being assaulted on national television and that his assault has become the butt of many memes and jokes that he and his family, especially his children, have to see from this day on. 
As for Jada, I pray that she has found the happiness she so desires, and I hope that Will has truly learned that he is not responsible for anyone's happiness but his own. Thank you for listening to this episode of Author Red Tea. Until next time, please take care of yourself and each other. If you liked this episode, please follow our podcast wherever you're listening. For all things Author Red Tea, please visit our website, nkingasongpress.com. That's N-K-E-N-G-A-S-O-N-G-P-R-E-S-S.com and kingasongpress.com. And click on the podcast tab. You can also click on the YouTube icon on our website if you would like to watch the video version of this podcast. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, please subscribe, like, and comment. Also, click the bell button to be notified when we release a new episode of Author Red Tea. This recording is subject to the fair use legal doctrine that promotes freedom of expression by permitting the unlicensed use of copyright protected works in certain circumstances. Section 107 of the Copyright Act provides the statutory framework for determining whether something is a fair use and identifies several types of uses, such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research as examples of activities that may qualify as fair use. When determining whether something is fair use, Section 107 calls for consideration of the purpose and character of the use, nature of the copyrighted work, amount, and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole, and effect of the use upon the potential market for value of the copyrighted work. For more information, visit https colon double forward slash www.copyright.gov forward slash fair dash use forward slash more dash info dot html.